Let's take our Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at quite a few passages today. I will uh, be reading them. You can follow along. You'll understand uh, why here at the introduction. I'd like to say um, for a prayer, uh, appreciative of the opportunity to be here again. Uh, wish it was under better circumstances. We've been praying for the Byler family and continue to pray for uh, Pastor Byler. He will be traveling back. I assume it's today. Uh, you know, it's a long week when something like that's going on. It's just draining one thing and then having to drive that far. So keep him in your prayers. Um, I would appreciate it. I'm sure he would too. Um, let me read just one verse here in chapter 5, verse 26. It says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we do thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity and privilege to be in your word again. We pray that you would uh, be with Pastor Byler and his family uh, as they will surely uh, go through days of sadness, understanding that his mother, was, he believed, was saved, but uh, just the absence of someone that we've been close to is a, uh, can be a trying time. We pray that you be with him. Do we pray that you be with him and Mr. By Mrs. Byler as they travel back today, that you keep them safe. We ask now at this time that you've given us, as we look in your word, you'd open our hearts, help us to be obedient to the things that we hear, and I pray, dear Lord, that you would guide me the words that need to be spoken to meet the needs of uh, all of uh, our hearts and souls, including my own, uh, this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, this verse right here gives us kind of an insight uh, into... Uh, our lives, uh, as we struggle sometimes with the old man, and particularly uh, our society as a whole, and that is the fact that our society really is uh, uh, made up of a lot of self-absorbed people. Um, in society, that's all about me. Uh, if you work with anybody or anything like that, you got, got to be careful sometimes. Uh, people want to make sure they cover themselves well, you know, sometimes at the expense of others. Uh, we can look at the society that we uh, have. There's no lawyers in the building today, right? Uh, you think about in, in my lifetime, I'm 50 now, not too far from 51. Uh, but lawsuits have grown unbelievably, uh, almost exponentially from when I w was going on. And the reason being is not that there's a greater need necessary for lawsuits, but we live in a self-absorbed society that want to go to litiga litigation over anything that goes wrong uh, in our lives. Uh, even among church people, a lot of times, uh, there'll be people that are taking each other to, to, to court, even though the Bible says it really ought not be done. Even in our own lives, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's a lot of times in our lives that we're self-absorbed. Uh, our prayers oftentimes are about us. We may mention a few others, but it's really all about us. <laughs> uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you'll understand today that our focus really does not need to be on ourselves. The Bible calls us to have, first and foremost, focus on others. I'm going to title this message today, One Another. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the New Testament and look at the majority, almost all, there's a few instances in where we're not going to look at it, but we're going to look at passages that talk about the phrase, one another. And the goal in doing that is to uh, speak to our hearts once again about the special bond that should exist between God's people and the responsibility that we have to each other. It's not all about me. It really is about everybody else. I was glad to hear Melinda's testimony about the care that you've taken over them and meeting 
needs in their lives. It's indication that there's a lot of this that you're already doing. But there's some contemplations, and when we look at through these passages here, and we'll come back to this passage in Galatians in a more extended way uh, in, in this message. We want to do this a verse at a time, starting in the book of John. Now, if you want to follow along, you can. First verse we're going to look at is John 13, 34. Now, you'll find as we go through this, there's going to be some different aspects that we talk about, there's, but there's one theme that drives all the way through this contemplations of our responsibility to one another. And we find it here in John 13, 34. We're going to see it come up quite a bit as we go through. And that is this. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. What is that commandment? I mean, we, we look at the Old Testament. We think of all the commandments that are given. And he's getting ready to give us a new one. What is this new commandment? This commandment is this. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Now, first of all, you, you know... Uh, the definition of really Bible love, the word agape, is a not a, a love of emotion, though emotions can be involved. Uh, it's not a physical type love in any stretch. Agape love is a willful choice of our hearts and souls to act for the better of the person loved. Now, there's a couple things involved in that. One is, it's, all, it's not devoid of emotion, but it's not based on emotion. emotion. It's based on a willful choice that, that we have in our hearts and souls to do good for that other person. It also means that we've got to uh, get, get out of the, the old nature's desire sometimes to center around ourselves and understand that it's a biblical love that we have to each other. Now, we're talking to a local body of believers here. It's your responsibilities to one another. And he says here that that new commandment that he's given is that we've got to love one another. We've got to make the willful choice in our hearts and souls for the be- to, to, to act for the betterment of each, everybody in this, in this building. As you, as you work with them, as you work serving them, as you uh, pray for them, as you reach out to help them, the motivation ought to be biblical love. Now, a lot of times when people are living right, that's easy. But that, this love is not conditional. It's not based on what you're going to get back. It's not based on the fact that at some point in your need, you expect them to do the same thing. That's not part of it. It's a willful choice to act for the better of them, not expecting anything back. And the example that he gives as to how that's carried out is his own life. Look right there. That you love one another as I have loved you. And we look back and think of the love of Christ exemplified. He said he loved the world enough, God did, that he sent his only begotten son. And he went on the cross of Calvary to die for our sins because he loved us, not expecting anything back from us, but offering us the free gift of salvation to be able to repent of sins and exercise faith in the finished work and of Christ on the cross of Calvary and he shed blood to cover our sins and clothe us in his righteousness. It's that example of self-sacrificing love that's to be our example when we begin to love one another. You see, sometimes it's going to be a sacrifice on our part to carry out that love uh, that we are supposed to have one another. And, and again, let me reiterate, it's not an option. It is a commandment given of Christ to his people to live and love each other as he loved. When you think of the love that you've experienced because of the work of Christ in your life, and then understand that that kind of self-sacrificing love is the command that he's given us as we deal with one another. Now let me say this. You can't even begin to understand what that love entails if you've not experienced it yourself. If you're, if you're not truly saved, uh, if you're not at some point in your life repentant of sin and put your faith in the Christ and the work of 
uh, his shedding of blood and the resurrection of Christ from the dead for your salvation, you can't understand this kind of love. You can't understand uh, the self-sacrificing part of love that Christ has given the example for. You have no idea how to carry that out. We'll see some other verses here uh, that, that will talk about uh, forbearing and and those times, you, we can't carry that out if we've not experienced the true love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts and souls. And having that example of love in our lives, we then can have the, uh, carry out that kind of love to one another in this body of believers as we work to serve Christ. Now, that's the theme that we're going to see as we go through these verses uh, over and over again, along with some other uh, things that kind of explain more of what that's supposed to be and how it's supposed to uh, carry out. But here, that was John chapter 13, 34. Look at John chapter 15, verse 12. Again, we'll just be going through the New Testament. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Do you see he's beginning to try to get this point across? He's already said it in 13. He's saying it again in 15 that your responsibility is to love one another as I have loved you. Look at John 15, 17, same chapter. These things I command you, that you love one another. Are, are we beginning to understand this is not an option? It's not a choice of whether we will or will not. It's the willful choice of our minds to do this. To have this kind of love one to another. Now as you sit in your pew, you don't have to look around, but you think of everybody in this building today and those that aren't here right now. You have a command from Christ to have biblical love for everybody in this building. Now, we have the old nature. There may be some personalities that rub you just a little bit in the wrong way. You know what? It doesn't matter. Our responsibility is to love one another. It's the command. 13, 4, 34, a new commandment. 15, 12, this is my commandment. 15, 17, these things I command you. It is not an option. It is a command that we must follow. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 10. If you're following along, you turn over there. Here's another verse. Again, we're talking about overcoming the old sin nature's desire to be self-absorbed, to, to, to make everything about us. And here in Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 12, it says this. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Well, guess what? You, you can't look at this verse and apply it to your life and be self-absorbed. It, it can't be about you. It says, first of all, be kindly affectionate one to another. In other words, it goes back to the thing I said before, our old sin nature, we may have somebody here that we just, just kind of rubs us the wrong way. He said, listen, our responsibility is to love them and to be kindly affectionate to them. That means we've got to be kind. We've got to be caring. We've got to have a desire uh, to know what's going on in their lives and, and, and to, to try to be helpful in prayer and reaching out and, 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 and aiding when we can and when, when it's needed. Listen, if we're kindly affectionate to one another, it says there in brotherly love. I've got two brothers. And sometimes there, when we were growing up, there was probably a question as to whether there was brotherly love there or not. He's not necessarily talking about physical relationship, though that could be part of it. But he's talking about the fellowship we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, with brotherly love, the care that we had to have one another, to be kindly affectionate. And notice this, in honor, preferring one another. In other words, again, we're, the desire should be in our lives to work for the betterment of the other person, to lift them up and bring honor to them. Our old sin nature would rather have the honor to ourselves. 
We're saying, no, that, that really can't be the case. When we're dealing with one another, we've got to be affectionate, kind, loving, and we've got to prefer them over ourselves. That's difficult to do sometimes. But he's saying, listen, our, our choice, willful choice of our hearts and souls is to work for their betterment, to lift them up, bring honor to their names. And by the way, in God's eyes, in so doing, you're going to bring honor on your own. It's not something you have to pursue. It'll happen before God as we carry out these responsibilities we're seeing here in Romans chapter 10, verse 12. Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says this, Owe no man anything. That's a desire, not to owe anybody. You don't want to be in debt. It says not to owe owe man anything, but to love one another. That's what you do owe them. Now, if you've got a right relationship with the Lord, and you do find yourself in a situation where you owe somebody, it ought to be something that goes on forever. Okay, it's something that you happen to forget about. It ought to be that we, we, when we owe somebody, we give it to them. But it says right there, we ought not try to get ourselves in this situation where we do, except for the fact that we owe one another in this body of believers, we owe them our love. We owe them the willful choice of our hearts and souls to act on the betterment of their lives. That, we do owe them that. And it goes on there, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. Love thy neighbor as thyself. We'll look at a verse like that in a moment. That was fulfillment of the law. We love one another. We're going to treat them right. We're going to be, we're going to treat them according to the Bible. And by the way, we're going to look at a few verses in a moment. The, our, our, the, the willful choice of our minds to act on the betterment of others isn't always pleasant. And we'll see why in a moment. So that was Romans 13.8. Look at Romans 15.7. It says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Talking about Christ receiving us, his redeemed, presented to, 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 for the glory of God and his work of salvation among men. And he says in that same way as God receives that work that Christ did for the, the, the uh, salvation of men and he presents that to the Lord of glory, we're to receive one another the same way. It really ought to be an honor in our lives to serve others. It, it ought not to be something that's forced. It ought not be something that we have to struggle over. It ought to be the desire of our hearts to follow the commandment of the Lord and to have love and, and kindness, as it says there before, working to the honor of others and receiving them. As God received the honor that Christ brought before him in the salvation of the souls of men. Now listen. As I said before, there, there may be somebody here you have a little bit of trouble with. Listen, you need to work through that to feel, fulfill this commandment. To be obedient to this commandment. To receive one another glory. Self cannot be in the way for that to be accomplished. Look at Romans uh, chapter uh, 15 again, verse 14. And this is one of the things that we were talking about, uh, talked about just a minute ago, that we're acting for the betterment of the other person, but it's not always pleasant. Listen to this. It says, And I myself am also persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness filled with knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Right? What's the word admonish mean? It really means to advise or urge someone 
earnestly to warn someone of something that should be avoided. So it carries with it the admonition. So, if we have true biblical love, we're willfully acting for the betterment of another person, sometimes that necessitates that we go to him with a broken heart and say, hey, listen, I see something going on in your life that you need to straighten out because if you don't, this, is, this, could, be the final, this could be the outcome. And it's not good. It takes two things when that happens. One is the courage from the person that is exercising biblical love to be able to do it. So often, we just, because of, again, because we're self-absorbed, we don't want to deal with the conflict. We just don't do it. He's saying here we have a responsibility to do that. Now, the other side of that is we've got to have a heart willing to be admonished. We... We ought to have a desire in our lives. If there's something going on, somebody have the courage to love us enough <laughs> to come to us and give us a warning that says, hey, listen, this is going to be a problem if you don't take care of it. Now look at the basis of the ability to be able to do that. Look back at this verse. He said, I myself also am persuaded of you, brethren, that ye also are full of goodness. Okay, in other words, you've got to be living right. You've got to be right yourself. The passage over Matthew or Luke talking about making sure you've got to pull a big moat out of your eye before you go deal with you know, a, a small pleasure in somebody else's. In other words, our lives need to be right. You need to be good in that sense, righteous, uh, being obedient ourselves. And notice this, filled with all knowledge. Listen, when you go admonish somebody, it can't be presented as your opinions about what they ought to do. That, that most often will not work. What has to be done is you have to have, it says they're filled with all knowledge. Filled with all knowledge of this book. So when the responsibility comes to do better for the other person in, in, in a form of admonishment, you're taking the word of God and showing them this is what's going on and this is what the consequences are going to be according to the word of God. That's the basis of the admonishing. It's not where we think somebody's doing something and we just see it and we go to them and say, listen, you got to straighten this out. It's, it's you go to in biblical love, seeking their betterment through the word of God, the knowledge of the word of God and the example of in our own lives to be able to go and point to the word of God and say, this is, the, this is what needs to be straightened out. This is the problem and it's going to be the consequences if something's not done about it. This is what the Bible says. Our response to that, by the way, ought to be thanksgiving. We ought to be thankful that someone loved us enough to point out from the Word of God something in our lives that needs to be straightened out. Now, the preaching of the Word of God, you've got a man of God in this place now that loves your souls. And the preaching of the Word of God is one of the biggest forms of admonishing there is. To, to preach from the Word of God and to show from the Word of God what should be going on in your life and to point out uh, situations where it's not that way. And by the way, I don't know if any of you have experienced it yet, but there will come a day, I almost guarantee you, where you're going to get a call from your pastor that says, hey, we need to talk. And he's going to bring up something in your life that just kind of needs to be straightened out. Listen, he does that because he loves you. He does that because he cares for your souls. And by the way, I'm assistant pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. I'm not immune to that. Out of the 29 years I've been there, I lost count how many times I've been called into his office to have a, just, just have a little talk. Listen, we're, we need to have hearts that can be admonished. But what we're talking about today is we've got to have the condition in our hearts and a love for one another to be able to do that admonishing according to the Bible. Now, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. This is one of the verses we read as we began. But I want to go back and read, starting in verse 13. And then it, again, just pay attention to the times that the phrase one another is mentioned. Verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... 
Only use not your liberty for an occasion in the flesh, but by love serve one another. In other words, start off, you have liberty. But your liberty cannot be such that it causes other people's problems. The Corinthians talks about that. Uh, chapter 11-ish, I think. In other words, there's some things that we may have liberty in our lives to do, but we, we better not if we're going to cause other people problems. He says there, Only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but love and serve one another. Our, our first and foremost is to serve one another and for their better benefit, not to exercise my own self-will and liberty uh, that I rightfully have sometimes. Sometimes, I said early on, loving one another, the way that we're talking about is self-sacrificing. But he goes on there. Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's back to the verse we talked about before. We love one another, we fulfill the law. It says we're to love uh, our neighbor as ourself. Now you can answer this. What's the Bible definition or example of who your neighbor is? Come on now. The Good Samaritan. That person was somebody he didn't even know. He just happened to find in need. And he's saying there, our neighbors, not necessarily the guy sitting beside you in the pew. It's not necessarily the guy that lives beside you, uh, in wherever your abode may be. But it's that person that you come across in life that's in need. He says, we're to example, uh, uh, give out love uh, to uh, that person. So as, as those around us are in need, listen, we ought to be able to work and serve them. To meet that need. Whatever that may need. Spiritual need. Sometimes it may be a physical need. And we have a responsibility of one another. To reach out. And to do what we can. To meet that need. Because of the love that we have. And the kindness that we want to show forth. Now. The other thing that can happen is this. Verse 15, but if we bite and devour one another, take heed that you not consume one another. We can be so self-absorbed. We go about talking about people behind their backs. Maybe there is a rightful need to be that person be admonished, but we don't do that. We go talk and gossip. We bring about uh, divisions. We devour one another. He says, listen, that, that ought not be the case amongst God's people. And he goes on and gives us an example. Verse 16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We've got to walk in the Spirit. That's how we're going to carry this out. And he goes on and he talks about for the lust of the flesh, uh, for the flesh, excuse me, lust is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, this is who will inherit it, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not desire, be desirous of vain glory. In other words, that's empty glory and praise on our own lives. Provoking one another. When we do that, by the way, we heap glory on ourselves, vain glory, uh, it'll provoke the people around us. They don't want to be. You don't want to be. And anybody else wants to be around somebody that is self-centered and selfish all the time. He said it can't be that way. Perverting one another, even envying one another. You see that amongst God's people sometimes. You look around God's people and someone has the blessing of God and they're prospering. They may be 
have a job in God's will that makes good money, and then you're over here and maybe you've got a job that you're struggling with, you're not making that much money, and the devil comes in that self-centered life when you get that and there's woe is me, and you begin to envy somebody else. He said, listen, there's no place for that amongst God's people. As we carry out God's will in our lives, he's going to work in our lives, uh, in this body of believers, in different ways. And we ought to thank God for it. We don't need to be involved in vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Listen, true Bible love is not going to be envious. True Bible love is not going to be jealous of, the, uh, of, of, of other people. What is your relationship with one another? Now, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, notice this, and this is what Melinda was talking about. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, talking about fulfilling the law, meeting the neighbors, bearing one another's burdens. Listen, sometimes that, that requires some sacrifice. Sometimes it requires time. Time that we think we need to spend doing something else. But when somebody's in need and there's a burden that's, that's come about, we're to bear one another's burdens. I hope in the, in the, in the time that your pastor, his family's been involved in the loss of a mother and a grandmother, you've been burdened for them to be able to get through that. I hope you prayed for him when he preached at the, his... Uh, own mother's funeral, the, the travel that's gone on back and forth, that's a great burden. Glad to hear that you've picked up and helped that burden. But there's other burdens that happen in our lives. There's, there's burdens of all sorts. There's burdens of heaviness for children gone astray. There's burdens of heaviness sometimes because of workload or family situations. Listen, we can't know those burdens and pray if we don't get to know the people around us. <laughs> to know what's going on in their lives and the prayers that they need and the burdens that need, they need help with. Prayer, prayed over. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So we've got to be lowly and meek. That basically means we need to be humble. We need to be humble when we serve one another. It says with long-suffering. You haven't been around people very long if you don't realize sometimes it just takes long-suffering to, to deal with others. And by the way, the place that this brotherly love is most difficult to carry out is in your own home sometimes. It says there that we've got to have lowliness, hum be humble, we have long-suffering. We've got to forbear one another in love. And we'll talk about what forbearing means in just a minute. But suffice it to say, exercising biblical love for the betterment of another person takes patience. See, sometimes when we act for their betterment, the desired outcome they want to see in their lives doesn't happen immediately. It takes patience. Sometimes it, it takes extra work on our part to be able to reach uh, and meet the need or point someone in the right direction. Forbearing. Verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, same chapter says, Be ye kind one another. Notice this phrase, tender-hearted. Be kind. Have a tender heart to the needs and the desires of the other person. Forgiving one another. There's going to come time in our relationships amongst the body of Christ, well, we've got to go back and apologize for something and ask for forgiveness for something. I just did that. I won't tell you what the situation was, but I just did that with one of our church members. You, you can't hold grudges. You can't do something to defend somebody and just let it go. There's got to be a, a going back to make things right. And, and when that someone has, cares enough for us to be able to go back and ask for forgiveness for something, to maintain that right relationship. And we need to give, we need to be, because of the forgiveness Christ gave to us, we've got to be willing to forgive. 
Listen, part of forgiving is forgetting. You don't believe that's true? Go read Psalm 103. That's the passage where God talks about taking our sins and putting them as far as from the east as from the west. In other words, he's not going to bring them back up to us. If we forgive somebody, we don't need to be six months down the road bringing it back up again. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and he gives an example again, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How can we have all of our sins forgiven in Christ and refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters if something goes wrong in our relationship? Say, listen, true Bible love, forgiveness will be asked and forgiveness will be granted. And look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. This is forbearing here. It says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. We've talked about that already. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It goes a little further there. It says, if anybody has a quarrel against you, or some minor offense, this may be something that's happened between two brothers and sisters in Christ that's causing some problems, some friction. And he's saying here, we've got to forgive one another. But the key part of that starts off in that verse when he says forbearing one another. What's that word forbearing mean? It basically means this, to control oneself when provoked, being patient. In other words, there's going to be times in our relationship with one another where we may seem provoked. Somebody's done something that just provokes us. He's saying, listen, we've got to exercise forbearing. We've got to be patient when that happens. Again, remember the command is to act for the betterment of the person loved. And sometimes that means that we've got to bear under offenses that were given. We've got to bear under something where someone has provoked us in some way and something going on in our life. It's just forbear one another. Be patient. That's being patient under provocation. Forbearing, forgiving. If any man has a quarrel against you, that's what he's talking about there. When that comes about, you've got to be forbearing. You've got to deal with this according to the Bible. You've got to exemplify biblical love in the process of carrying out and fixing this situation and making it right. It takes patience and forbearing under provocation sometimes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Okay? Make sure we understand this. this. This word has to dwell in us. It's not a matter of it just being up here. It's got to be a very part of who we are. It says, the word of Christ dwell in you in all uh, riches and wisdom. What's all wisdom? That's taking that knowledge that we're getting in this book, letting that word abide in us, and practically carrying it out in our lives. That's how we gain wisdom. Wisdom doesn't just happen. Okay, wisdom comes as we know the word of God and we apply it to our practically every day to our lives. That's how we grow in wisdom. He says here, we've got to have the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And notice this, teaching, okay, and admonishing one another. Okay, there's got to be times when we were taught. We're all at different stages in our walk with the Lord. Every last one of us. But there's, we're, we're, there's, every, there's none of us here that have reached some plateau where God's going to say, that's it, you don't have to go any further. That means that there's always a need in our lives of being taught. And sometimes that teaching can come, come from the pulpit it comes from Sunday school. It comes from family devotions. But sometimes it comes because of the love that we have one another and we go to somebody and say, listen, I see something going on in your life. Let me teach you something from the word of God that I've learned because I've faced the same thing. And go back and, and teach and be, be taught and, and to be teachable. And he says in admonishing one another, we've already talked about admonishing one another, in, wor- uh, in warning uh, uh, kind of the exhortation thing, but warning, uh, something needs to be avoided, advice urgently gave. But notice this. 
It says this is to be done in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I hope when a special is sung from this pulpit or the choir or in congregational singing, that it's just not something you just do because you're at church. It is a spiritual ministry to each other. When we sing enthusiastically, or someone comes up because they've prepared and are singing to you, don't be thrumming through your phone, don't be thrumming through another book. Pay attention, but God's using it for a purpose in our lives very often to teach and admonish us. It's one of the great purposes of the music amongst God's people. It, the, the, the four hymns that we sang today, the offertory that was given and the special that were sung, are not just the prelude to the service and the preaching. Now, they are to prepare our hearts, but there's so much more than that. They're a tool that God's given the body of Christ for teaching and admonishing. And it's done because we know the word of God and we practically apply. By the way, it's one of the reasons standards are given for people that's for the body of Christ, but for particularly serving the church and service, singing, that type thing. Because they need the, the guidance given by that to ensure that they are desirous in their lives to live holy, to be able to have their lives right, uh, to be able to, to come before you and present the word of God sung by teaching and admonishing one another. Someone whose life's not what it ought to be can't do that. They can't have the spirit of God in their lives and ministering in that aspect. And by the way, if you've been singing and your pastor or your song director determined there's something going on in your life that's hindering the working of the spirit of God, don't be surprised and hope to have the boldness, including myself, to go up and say, hey, listen. We need to straighten this out or we need to just you know, put on hold your involvement in the music until you get it straightened out. Because it's that important that the Spirit of God work in our hearts and souls so that we can teach and admonish one another in song and hymns. That's why you need to sing lustily. Okay, sing out. You're not just singing because you're part of the congregation. You're singing to one another. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, in that passage, he's talking about people who are trying to tell him Christ wasn't coming back. So he is coming back. And because he's coming back, you need to comfort one another with these words. That comfort can come in a lot of ways. There's been a loss of a family member. You know, there's going to be comfort and encouragement given that, hey, listen, there's going to come a day when we get to meet him again. There's going to come a day, if they're truly saved, when we'll be with them in heaven serving God for eternity. I'll find comfort in that. Uh, we ought to find comfort in the fact that the Lord is tarried long enough that we can see souls saved. Yeah, we'd like to see him come back. We need to take comfort in the fact that we have hope that he will, biblical hope. But in the meantime, we've got responsibilities. Today we're talking about that we have one to another but also the responsibility to the lost. And we need to take time and comfort one another with the truths of the word of God when comfort needs to be given. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as ye do. It says, so there comes a time when we need to comfort ourselves together and edify one another. What's edify mean? What's an edifice? It's a building. To edify somebody is to build them up. Listen, this world can beat you down. Hey, the struggles of this world can cause you problems. Listen, as we love one another, as we see that, we need to take time through the Word of God to build them up, to encourage them, to give them comfort. Are we so concerned about ourselves that we neglect to see Somebody else needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, we live in a sinful world. And it'd be very easy in our lives to be deceived by sin. And our hearts hardened. We only have to look at the nation of Israel to see how often that can happen. But our hearts can be hardened. He's saying, listen, how can we avoid that? We can avoid that if we'll exhort one another. So exhortation mean? It means to excite by argument or advice. Urge strongly to give warnings or advice. Make urgent appeals. We need, to, we need to be exhorting one another. The Bible says exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Closer the return of Christ comes, we need to be exhorting one another to be prepared, to be living right. We need to uh, uh, incite by argument, advice, to, to strongly urge, give warning, to make appeals to one another, to live right, stay true. Uh, stay, the old phrase, stay true to the stuff to the word of God and, and to the local body of believers and to one another and to serving the community out, outside these doors, trying to reach them for Christ. He says, do all those things. Exhort one another. And notice this phrase here, exhort one another daily. It ought to be a daily part of our life that we're exhorting one another, encouraging one another, strongly urging each other to live right and do right. It can't be just the pastor. And the reason to do that, he says, daily while it's called today, because there's a danger that you may be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need to have a kind of love toward one another that would drive us to exhort each other, to talk to one another about the truths of the word of God. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with hobbies whatsoever. But if all of our conversations here or outside of church are all based around the things that we do, we're missing a great opportunity to keep us, our hearts from being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Truth be known, our conversations, first and foremost, ought to be surrounded by the, talking about by the word of God and our lives and how we can live right and do right, checking up on one another, he knows, how, how's it going? Always appreciated Brother Winston he come in. One of the first things he always asks you in the door is, what's the Lord teaching you today? That's a good question. You know, we ought to ask that from one another every now and then. We might find exhortation in their answer. <laughs> we may find encouragement we need to keep our hearts from being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 talking about why we're here today. It says, let us consider one another to provoke, and this is a good provocation, provoke unto love and to good works. And here's how you do that. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. We've already talked about what exhorting is. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Where does this exhortation take place? Amongst the body of believers, particularly when we meet. And he says, don't forsake the assembling of that. Because in that assembling, you can provoke one another. You can exhort one another. If you're not in the house of God, every time the doors are open, unless you're sick, or the phrase providentially hindered, you're missing an opportunity to have yourself encouraged, comforted, and delivered from the hardness of the deceitfulness of sin that you face out in this world every day. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. In other words, that's, that's love that's not deceitful. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We've already talked about this. Heart needs to be right, needs to be pure before the Lord, and we need to love one another fervently. Now, for time... I'm going to give you some verses you can look at as yourself in 1 John. All of it's talking about the command of love, the responsibility we have to love one another. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 23. 
chapter 4, verse 7, and chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, all talk about, from John, we talked about some of the things over in the Gospel of John, where the commandment's given us to love one another. It's an, it's an uh, uh, a, uh, evidence of the fact that we're saved and love God when we love one another. John talks about that. Second John verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says this, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that which ha- that we had from the beginning, that we love one another. So John's saying, listen, this is not a new commandment. It was new when Christ gave it. He said, but I'm not giving you a new one now. You know this. We need to love one another. And that lady there he's talking about is that body of believers meeting in a house. He's not talking about a particular lady. He's talking about that body of believers there. And he's saying, listen, I wrote this commandment on you from the beginning that you love one another. What is your relationship with one another? Do you true, truly have Bible love? A willful choice of the heart and soul to act for the betterment of the other person. Can you have the courage because of that love to admonish, exhort, encourage, comfort? Are you here today? Can you be admonished? Can you be exhorted? And not take offense when it's given from the word of God. Listen, if somebody comes to you and exhorts you from the word of God and you take offense, you're not taking offense with them. You're taking offense with God. We've got to have that kind of relationship. If we're going to be the body of believers that we should be, if we're going to have the strength among ourselves to reach a lost and dying world, we're, we're going to have the strength not to be hardened because of the deceitful sins that we face every day, We've got to pray for one another. We've got to love one another. We've got to exhort, encourage, admonish. All these things. We've got to forbear one another. And we do that. God can raise up a body of believers that can carry out his work here, outside this community, and in your homes. Do we love one another? 